DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me, nothing's gonna stand in my way. Welcome to the Donald Thompson Podcast. I have today a good friend of mine, business partner and CEO of EarFluence, Mr. Jason Gillikin. Jason, welcome to the show. DT, the man with the impeccable strategy, the <laughs> man with relentless energy. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. I've been looking forward to this chat all week and letting us just get a chance to chop it up and really not only talk about EarFluence and have folks get to know you, but really the theme is why people need to lean into podcasting, right, as a part of their growth engine for their business. But before we dive in, I want everybody to get to know Jason a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the family. You're a girl dad, right? I'm a girl dad, yep. And that's a hashtag and a thing. Talk to me a little bit about your family, where you're from, brothers and sisters, things like that. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. So I grew up in Michigan, one brother, one sister, came down here for college to Carolina in 1997. And there was no way I was going back. <laughs> Michigan is cold, but more than that, it is gray. And there are a lot of potholes there. And I came down here and it is sunny. It is nice. The people are nice. I like Raleigh. So there was no way I was going back. I met my wife in 2009, got married in 2010. And we have three lovely, crazy daughters. <laughs> they are eight, six, and three. I am very blessed. That is awesome. When I think about families in general, but really when your kids are young, I think about that ultimate motivation because you are their everything. And the infrastructure you set up for them helps develop and determine how they're going to be able to catapult in life. And so that's awesome. Obviously, knowing you, knowing you well and getting to see the kids grow up and Facebook and different things. I'm always good for a smile when I see the guilt <laughs> get down the family stuff going on. Yeah. My wife is posting things all the time on Facebook. <laughs> She'll post about the sisters getting in a fight and then they're hugging each other and looking miserable doing that. <laughs> I want to interrupt just for a minute because that's important. Share that one family philosophy, if that's okay, about Megan making sure the girls hug it out. 
So they're not always going to get along, but they have to love each other, right? <laughs> and so that's the thing. They're not always going to be best of friends, but family is always going to be there. And so we need to make sure that we impart that on them, that the family is always going to be there for each other. That is good stuff. So now when we talk career and transition a little bit to business, talk to me about what led you to starting Earfluence, to thinking that podcast creation, community development is something that an entrepreneur could do and build by providing those services for others. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I graduated from Carolina in 2001 and just kind of a windy road. I even played full-time professional poker for a couple of years. Landed on a job in 2007 that I kept for 12 years, and it was in the digital marketing space. So we were doing SEO, pay-per-click management, things like that for our clients, mostly in the e-commerce space. 2019 rolls around. I'm really getting into podcasting, just how I built this and serial podcasts and some of the storytelling and just amazing things that you could do with podcasting. And I just loved it. So I convinced the team at the company I was working with to start a podcast. And I said, I would do it and we can start this podcast and it can be about how our clients built up their businesses. So great storytelling, great marketing for them, great marketing for us as well, because it's a way for them to say, oh, this is a company that can create a podcast for me when I'm signing up with them to do our e-commerce work. But the company didn't really share the vision. I wanted to reach out to other people and use it more as a networking engine. They didn't really want that. That's okay. It was their business. But at the same time, I had started a podcast for Megan, my wife, and she's a wedding planner. What we found really quickly was it cemented her as a thought leader in the space. So in the wedding industry, she is, and it's been going on for two and a half years now, but it happened fast where she's a thought leader in weddings and she's able to consult with wedding pros. And since then, she has pivoted her part of the business to be more vendor education. And she's got her own online education platform. And she is a consultant speaker sought after for those bigger wedding networking events. I saw that and I was starting to get antsy. 12 years at a company is a long time. And I was always doing something on the side, trying to hone that entrepreneurial spirit. And I said, okay, I've got to go out on my own. I'm going to do this podcasting thing. One time I was driving by a graveyard and I saw all these gravestones, all these headstones. And I said, every single one of those headstones is a story that needs to be told. But how can I do that? How can we make that happen from a business perspective? And so I went to a funeral home and said, hey, I have an idea for this podcast about the people that come into your funeral home. We can share their story. So their family can come in and say, this is a story of this person. And this is something that can be passed down for years and years. And you could have so much more than a one-page obituary. And they loved it. And so that was the first client that I sold, per se, on a podcast concept. Anyway, it's a long, windy road, but I love the storytelling part of it, but how it can be impactful for business as well. So when you think about podcasting as a communication vehicle, business growth engine, how do you answer the question when someone says, well, everybody's got a podcast now. So therefore, yeah. there's no space for me. How do you educate a business owner that they should still think about the positive aspects of building that as a part of their marketing mix? Yeah. So getting back to where I was with that journey and working with Deepak and working with the funeral home, I wanted to partner with a marketing company to make this bigger. And so I reached out on LinkedIn to you and you had a podcast at the time and we met. And one of the things that you told me 
I asked you, what are your goals for the podcast? It's the same thing I ask everybody when they say they want to start a podcast. And you said to me, this is about networking and business development as one of your reasons for doing it. It was something that I hadn't really thought of before. I could understand how it could sell tickets to a show at Deepak. I could see how it could be attractive for somebody for announcements, but I never thought of it in a way that you could reach out to somebody, hey, do you want to be in my podcast? And all of a sudden, that's a way to get to know them much more so than meeting them for two minutes at a networking event or trying to call them up and pitch them your services. And all of a sudden, you have an amazing conversation with somebody. So there's a million podcasts out there, and it's really hard to break through that noise. It's really hard to get in people's ears because they have so much to listen to. But then there's so many reasons why you need one. Part of that is networking. Part of that is your potential clients are going to vet you because you have a podcast. Let me tell you one story of a client that I have. Even before the podcast launched, when they were reaching out to potential clients to be on their podcast, they reached out and all of a sudden that turned into a $30,000 deal for them. Just by saying, do you want to be on my podcast? I mean, it wasn't that they had a podcast per se, but it started the conversation and they started to get to know each other in a discovery call process. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, you know what? I do need some of your services. And it turned into a big contract for them. At the end of the day, people do business with people that they know and trust. Mm -hmm. So then how do you build trust in a pandemic? How do you build trust in this new digital space where everything's online? And we don't really pick up the phone and talk to each other. And what if you're not a golfer, right? That's spending four hours on the golf course to get to know somebody. But that 45 minutes where you're really digging into it and authentically interested in what that person has to say is a way to build that relationship. And the other thing, Jason, that I've found is that you're also giving that business owner something of value because they can take that content and do so many things with it. Share a little bit about what you can do from having a base podcast and then how you can spin that up and really supercharge your marketing mix. Yeah, absolutely. And let me go back to that golf thing. And you were telling me one time, podcasts are the new golf, right? There's very few people that have four or five hours right now in these busy lives that we have to be out on a golf course. But it's so much easier to say, hey, do you want to come on my podcast? And that's a new going out for four or five hours on the golf. But the content engine piece, there are just so many things that you can do with the content you're creating. And every time that we're doing a podcast, we are transcribing it. So on the EarFluence website is a transcription of all of our podcasts. For our clients, we can give them this transcript so that they can use it for so many different pieces. Now, what could they use it for? Well, they can create premium blog posts around this content. They can create white papers around this content. They can create video. They can create social media posts around this content. And all of a sudden, it's something that just this podcast can live on and there can be an echo chamber around it and so much more than just a 30-minute podcast or a one-hour podcast or whatever it might be. Now, the other thing, Don, is for every 30-minute episode, it's about 6,000 words of content. Now, a 200-page book is about 60,000 words. What that means is for every 10 episodes, you, in a sense, have written a 200-page book of content. And you could, if you wanted to, repurpose that content for a book. So that's something for you as you're trying to write a book 
and books down the line, you're like, wait a minute here. I've got all this content already. I've done 70 episodes. I could write a book or two about this. That is awesome. And it brings it into every business owner, leader, might not be a business for profit, but leader is looking how to scale their activity. Hmm. Right. And what you just said very clearly is a way that you can scale your marketing activity through using podcasts. What are some of the things that it takes to do a successful podcast? Anybody can do a podcast, right? It's pretty easy. I encourage anybody to press the record button and just see what you have for a podcast. But as far as making it successful, you really need a plan. You need a plan in place to figure out what you have. And you need to know what are my goals for this podcast? Is it to show off my expertise? Is it to create a content engine? Is it for networking purposes? Maybe I have another plan in place where I can launch a membership site or a course. And I want to go ahead and make sure that I have these people, this audience in place that I can go ahead and reach out to them when I'm ready to launch this course. So what is the strategy behind that? So you need that plan, but then you also need to know who your audience is. So for example, Megan's podcast, Weddings for Real, she gets a fair amount of listens every single week, but it is mostly wedding pros. And so it's very niche. She doesn't get hundreds of thousands of downloads, but we know the audience and 99% of her episodes are all about what is the wedding vendor education part of it? How can I help educate these wedding pros? Same thing with something like the Dental Experience podcast. Yes, we do a podcast for a guy who's talking about up-leveling dentists, the dental businesses. It's not a podcast that's going to have 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 downloads, but he is narrowing it down to those people that will want it. And that way he has that captive specific audience that can be valuable to him and whatever he's doing or potential advertisers that are also going right to the dental industry. I think you make a great point. I mean, one of the terms that people hear a lot about, but they don't know how to think about it in practice is micro-targeting your audience. And that's really what you're talking about. And then becoming a micro-influencer, right? How do you serve that audience? What are you thinking is the next level for this podcasting space? When you think about innovation, you think about growth and think about what's next, what are some of the things you're seeing? What are some of the trends that you believe are important in this space? I think at Airfluence, we do a really good job of creating podcasts for our clients, but there's so much more that we're doing, but we need to start doing it better. What I mean by that is in creating these podcasts, we're creating this content engine. We're doing all those things that I mentioned, but how do we start to come up with premium content for our clients? Like those premium blog posts, getting into books. How do we make sure that we're doing that? How do we start to utilize video more so than we're doing now, especially as things are starting to open up a little bit and people are going to want to start to meet more? What are some of the creative things that we can do with video? I think another thing that we need to do better with is just outreach for our clients and getting them on other podcasts. So that is something that even if you don't have a podcast right now, you should be going and pitching yourself to other podcasts. So you can start to get those reps. I actually ran into Mike Glennon yesterday, quarterback for NC State, played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, probably been in the league for five, six years or so. Ran into him yesterday and we were just talking about podcasting. And he's like, man, I think I would want to podcast at some point, but how do I even get started with that? And I was like, you just need to reach out to other podcasts out there and start to get those reps. 
because he wants to be in the media space at some point, right? After he retires, you just need to get those reps and then get comfortable with podcasting. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I know what I can do. I have an idea for what my podcast could be, but let's go ahead and execute it now. I mean, that's powerful and selfish plug. There's a guy I know that would love to have him on as a guest and help him get some of those reps. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about lessons learned, things that didn't go quite right. <laughs> and then what you've done to now elevate and expand from that. Talk to the audience about some things that have gone awry. I mean, there's so many lessons learned. I think the things that when they go awry are when we don't plan out as much as we should. When the client is saying, I need this podcast by a certain time, and we make that happen, but we don't have the full launch strategy in place. And so the podcast happens, but it's one of those things where it could have been so much bigger if we had waited a little bit and then come up with a better strategy for it. So that's something where as a leader, I need to be better at pushing back on our clients and saying, listen, I know you want it on this date and we can do that, but here is the optimal strategy to go on about this. And that's something that I'm getting much better at. But in the beginning, it's hard to do, right? You want to make sure that you're appeasing your clients. But now that we've done 20 podcasts, like close to 500 episodes, I can much more confidently say, no, this is how to do it. This is what we recommend. All right. So you threw some metrics out. I want to restate those because that's pretty cool. Because Earfluence hasn't been in business for like 10 years, 20 years, et cetera. Yeah. How many episodes do you have under your belt across the different clients? Gosh, last year. So 2020, we did 247 episodes, 18 clients. This year, we've added five new podcasts. And then overall, from mid-2019 to now, it's probably close to 500. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I know as an entrepreneur and a business leader is you can't master something you're not willing to consistently work on and develop. And that means that at 500 podcasts, somebody that's starting with you now is going to get the advantage, the insight, the wisdom of all of those other clients now wrapped into what you're recommending that they do. And that's a powerful testimony to what you're developing and what you're learning. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. And learning all the time. Tell me a little bit about one of the innovations. Now, the pandemic didn't allow it to shine the way that you had hoped, but the innovation is powerful in and of itself. You did a podcast where you brought together angel investors, emerging entrepreneurs. Talk about that idea, that innovation that you developed. Yeah. Oh, it was so great. I had this idea for a long time. I wanted to create like a shark tank for the Raleigh area because there's so much innovation in this area. There's so many great ideas that just aren't quite getting funded. And then you look at, okay, 2% of all the venture capital goes to female founders. The numbers are dismal for underrepresented entrepreneurs, whether that's racially underrepresented or being women or anything like that. They're dismal. It is so much better for people who look like me as a white man. So we wanted to create something that was like the shark tank for this area for underrepresented entrepreneurs. We got eight entrepreneurs together. We did it over two days and we had five investors. So you are one, Grant Willard, Tim McLaughlin, Robbie Hardy, and Keith Daniels heard these pitches from these entrepreneurs. And it was so great. And we put eight episodes together. There was supposed to be like a big event at the end. 
<laughs> and I had this grand vision for a, one of those big fat checks being handed out, right? <laughs> but the stories themselves were cool. There weren't so many great follow-up stories to tell because of the pandemic. <laughs> the money was getting a little bit tight from the investors at that point. And I don't think anybody would have wanted to come to a live event right then. <laughs> yeah. And I, I appreciate you sharing that because independent of some of the roadblocks of it, it really is the thoughtfulness, the follow through. And I'll tell a quick story. So one of the folks that pitched, we didn't end up making an investment, but I was on a phone call yesterday and heard a similar idea. But because you pulled us together, because we heard those pitches, I connected these two entrepreneurs. They're talking next week about how they can potentially partner together and see if they can't create this vision. That's so awesome. One of the things that in when you're working with underrepresented communities, it's not that the great ideas don't exist, but the networks to connect to other partners, to other co-founders, to other money sources. And I just want to commend you for what you did, created that environment, and everybody can lean into diversity, equity, inclusion in that way. Yeah. And I want to keep taking swings like that. I always have these ideas. And as a company, I want to take these swings that hit the home run and come up with something that's amazing. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, and I've been thinking about this all week, you get to hear a lot of these podcasts because your team's doing the editing. Yeah. So you're getting a masterclass in all of these different stories, storytelling, business ups and downs. What are some of the biggest thing you learned from listening to these and working with these 500 podcasts? That's a good one. And my advice to all my clients, I love to tell them this and they think it's funny and it's great advice is record drunk, edit sober. <laughs> so what that means is you need to have the attitude that you're just loose and you are going ahead and just having a conversation and letting go of that. You've got a mic right in front of you and making sure that you're asking the guest, Hey, we can always cut this out, but I have to ask. All those things that get to that next level of storytelling and get to that next level of pulling information out of the guest. That's something that the great ones can do. And it's hard to do. And then if it's something that you can't use, you can just always edit it out. So that's edit sober. So record drunk, edit sober. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask the same question, but a different slice of that question. So that's some of the things you've learned to share with your clients. What are some of the business tips? What are some of the life experience things and stories that have moved you in some of the podcasts that you've been a part of? I would say working with the diversity movement personally has been really powerful. We do the diversity beyond the checkbox podcast. And as a white middle-aged guy who was working with other white middle-aged guys primarily, it's not something that I really thought of too much previously. And like, there was nothing bad. I wasn't racist by any means, but I just wasn't thinking about those things, right? I wasn't thinking about the things that were just unfair that were going on in this world. And working with the diversity movement, you can immediately see the reason for the best idea wins and you need the multitude of ideas from diverse perspectives. Like, oh, light bulb, okay, yeah. I don't know why I never thought about that before. But then you start to really dive into the diversity you can't see. All these different things like some people are introverted. What does that mean? Some people have disabilities that you can't see. What does that mean for work? 
Some people are hiding in the closet. What does that mean? There are just so many different things. The episode that we just released, this guy, he calls himself the gay leadership dude. He used to work for Disney Cruise Lines. And he talked about doing leadership training with 52 different nationalities. So what kind of different thoughts do you get from that? How do you train 52 different nationalities together? They're all coming from these different perspectives. So I think personally, that type of work has meant a lot to me in my growth uh, as a person. That is awesome. And I think that as we think about business, entrepreneurship, innovation, one of the things that I've learned in working with you and working with the podcast as a medium for marketing is most people don't understand the power of their own story. Mm, that's true. Because we're so busy that most people aren't given the opportunity to share a full and complete thought. We're mm -hmm. living in this Twitter universe, yeah. this hashtag universe. And when you get people and give them the space to really develop and share their own story, magic happens. That's right. Learning happens. Relationships happen. And one of the things that you taught me, and you said, I don't even know if you remember this, but early on, we were talking about building the DT podcast. You just talked about consistency. Mm -hmm. Day one may or may not be amazing, but over a period of time, we're going to build up a foundation and this thing's going to rock. And I think that long-term view, that seed you planted about that is now why we're approaching now close to 70. And I'm so much better than I was episode one. Our process is better, but I'm learning so much more from the guests because I'm not nervous about the actual function. I'm really intensely listening and getting that masterclass from the people I'm talking to. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. So you've done 70 episodes now. What has it meant to you and what have you learned from doing that? So for me, it reinforced that you can learn something new, be bad at it in the beginning and get better over time. And as a competitive learner, that's really my only superpower is that I'm willing to try something new and figure out how to get good at it by my own practice, but by partnering with an expert in the space like yourself, by working with Sharon McLeod and really figuring out how to learn something totally different. And then over a course of two years, becoming better. And so it reinvigorated me for that next innovation, that next innovation, that next innovation. The second thing that's super impactful is I'm telling you, I have had some of the greatest conversations that have helped me like to be able to talk to the founder of Alexa and listen to Igor talk about the process of selling to Amazon, the process of innovating this technology, to talk to Jess Lipson, who just got his newest company funded for $8 million or John Lewis and talking about diversity, equity, inclusion. And if I name drop, it's too many because it's 70 plus people. But I've gotten an MBA in leadership by doing a podcast. Are you able to share the Vidant story? Yeah, I can. When we first started out, the majority of the podcasts, I was doing the Beyond the Checkbox podcast. I was kind of doing my own podcast. We just were trying stuff. But one thing for sure is that I'm passionate about diversity, equity, inclusion. And my personal walk has been how to make it in a sea of middle-aged white men, which is the technology business. And a friend of mine shared one of my podcasts on diversity, equity, inclusion with the president and CEO of Biden Healthcare in Eastern North Carolina, $2 billion, 13,000 employee healthcare system in North Carolina. 
And Dr. Mike Waldron liked what he heard enough that he wanted to sit down and have a chat. And then from that conversation, we developed a relationship. And for a while, it just was an emerging friendship where if he had a question, he would pick up the phone and call and I would give some feedback. And we just got to know each other, but I just was trying to be helpful, really with no big intention. But I knew that as a leader of a large organization, he didn't have a lot of people that he could talk to that weren't trying to manipulate the information, that weren't running an angle. You're in a bubble of that. And so through the podcast listening, then through us talking, we developed a thing. And what I found in Dr. Waldron was this was a middle-aged white man in Eastern North Carolina where racial tensions can get a little up and down sometimes with a heart of gold, wanting to lead with love and be part of the solution. And that relationship has then turned into him vetting me, his team vetting me, being interviewed by uh, somebody on the Board of Governors of North Carolina. And now I'm a part of his team as a member of the Vident Medical Center Board of Directors. And that story occurred because of a referral from a friend to Mike to listen to the podcast, to us developing a relationship. And now we're doing things together to help low trust communities have better healthcare outcomes. That is awesome. And it's that micro-targeting that you talk about. And I guarantee you the board, he's telling them, I'm thinking about this guy, Donald Thompson, they are going to your podcast and listening to those episodes and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I can get down with this guy. Absolutely. People do their research. And when we dial it back to EarFluence, when people want to check out who is Jason Gilligan, what is EarFluence, they've got 500 episodes to see the quality of your work. That's right. And they can make their determination even before they talk to you. And so one of the things I tell business folks, it actually increases the quality of your leads. Because people start to do some pre-screening and you want to make sure that you put out in the stratosphere the information you want people to see. That's right. So Jason, as we wind our time together, what would you want to leave the audience with? What thoughts, what haven't I asked you that you'd like to chat about, talk about? I want to give you that space. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in starting a podcast, and I think you should, just press record. There are so many reasons out there not to do it. And all you have to do is press record and see what you have. I go to meetups every now and then, much more so before the pandemic. And there would be these people out there that month to month to month, they would be talking about, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. I'm thinking about starting a podcast and just not doing it. Just press record and see what you have. Because like you said, people uh, have a story to tell. If you're listening to this, you have a story to tell, press record, figure out what you have, and then figure out what to do from there with the podcast itself. Jason, it's overdue for us having this chat and putting you and EarFluence front and center on on the DT podcast, but I'm glad we did it. Thanks for spending time and look forward to our continued partnership, our continued growth, and most importantly, you leading EarFluence to support and grow the community of your clients. Congratulations on your success. Thanks, DT. I appreciate all the support, all the mentorship that you've given me over the past year and a half or so. It's been awesome, and I appreciate you having me on the show. This podcast is edited and produced by EarFluence. If you're looking for more information on how full-service podcast production can amplify your voice, build your community, visit EarFluence.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon on the Donald Thompson Podcast.